Restless Midlifer podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. Hi and welcome to episode 69 of the Restless Midlifer podcast and it's another interview and this time it's a return of a great guest Carolyn Hobday. Um, now if you remember back, Carolyn uh, works with um, midlifers in particular, particularly females, around developing confidence, um, setting goals and achieving change and shifting change in life. As well as that, Carolyn is uh, has a lot of expertise around menopause. And I think this is particularly, we didn't get a chance to talk about this in the first uh, interview, just we had so much to talk about that we never got around to this topic. And I think it's a really important topic because um, well, for, for all of us to have a better understanding, but for whether you are um, listening and maybe at a point where this is something you're experienced, have experienced or, you know, about to, or you are like me, a man, and never going to experience it personally, but have loved ones who have been through it, perhaps I'll go through it or at some point are likely to. And really just getting to understand what it's about and having a conversation about this because as we talk about in the interview, I remember, you know, when I was a young kid, the only time it was ever mentioned was as a joke, a throwaway joke, a silliness about a hot flush and this, that and the other. And it is so much more and so has such a profound impact as we'll explore in the interview. So I'm not, I'm not saying any more about it. I think it's a really worthwhile um, interview to listen to just to raise our own knowledge and awareness and how perhaps if you have a loved one or you are that person where you're thinking things just, you know, it just feels a bit different. I'm a bit, not sure why I'm not on top of my my game or whatever, however you want to describe it. Um, Carolyn offers some uh, thoughts and tips and ways that you can start to tap in to um, looking into this so that you can perhaps get a more concrete or conclusive answer and some answers, which is really important. So that understanding and, and what have you, I think is really useful. So that the interviews uh, will follow shortly. But one of the things that in terms of my updates is um, – as you talk about, um, um, Operation D-Move is, is underway, feelings like things are just starting to settle back in. And yes, I've got to watch that I don't get complacent, I've got to stay humble and aware, uh, you know, in terms of that. So I'm tracking the sprouts, I'm tracking the habits that I'm doing daily and the compliance of that. How am I sleeping? Am I doing my 60s? burpees a day and am I getting into um, doing my CrossFit more more regular and to, to the number of times that I want, that kind of thing. So with that, what, one of my projects on the side, on the side of one of my intentions is to uh, turn the garage into uh, a home gym, into a proper sort of CrossFit box style home gym. Going to cross it, call it CrossFit Reckless. Reckless? Cross, <laughs> CrossFit Restless, if I'm allowed to. I don't know if I'm allowed to because of you know CrossFit trademarks. It's a personal thing. It's not a business thing. But the point is, I want to turn it into that because I want to have that sort of feel of somewhere I can go to do a few extra um, technique bits of work, strength work, that kind of thing. And when I perhaps can't get to the CrossFit box, I've got somewhere to go and some things I can do. Um, so that's the plan. Moved into the house in October. There's been lots of DIY, lots of things going on. And in the background, I'm slowly been slowly building up bits and pieces of equipment, asking for things on birthdays, um, got, finding a battle rope at Aldi the other week, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but one of the things I need to do is start to just develop the, the gym itself and get flooring in, um, put up a wall, put TV on the wall, that kind of thing. Start to turn it in and clear some space. And here's the thing. This is where an all or nothing mindset often would undermine me in the past and come at, uh, and come at me uh, from other ways is, oh, you must have it. You must have the raw machine. You must get the floor. You must get it. Get it done now. Just splash out and do that. And that's fine. However, 
I don't know about you, how often have you invested a fair bit of money in a piece of kit, whether it's a treadmill or a bike, and its main use has served to become a, a, a place where you hang your clothes um, when you take them off. And the, it's in the bedroom, it's there with the best of intentions, and all it does is allow you to pile a few clothes on it. it. In other words, it becomes a white elephant. We have the best of intentions when we buy it, but in reality, as things move on, it becomes, we don't use it. We don't use it the way we intended to, to use it, and we don't get the benefit from it. Now, that for me is always an all or nothing. I'm an impulsive person, that all or nothing. When I feel motivated, I'll get on and I'll do it and I'll spend, I'll do this. But then, as I always say, don't, if you're feeling motivated, don't worry, it'll pass. And it does, because this is where the sprout sweating approach really, it relies on the day-to-day -day sweating the sprouts. The goal, actually, I heard this a great reframe on the Ethan Suplee podcast, uh, American Glutton. Great one if you want to check that out. Check out his journey in, in with obesity, eating, emotional eating, and his current efforts to lose weight. And he's done br massively brilliant. He's kind of on that um, maintenance phase now, really ripped and working hard at it, but really humble and insightful guy. But one of the things he did say was, uh, in answer to a listener question, was your goal is the routine. Your goal is the the day-to-day -day practice. And I like that because yes, we have our vision and where we want to go and what our interim goal is. For me, it's Operation D-Move. But my goal day-to-day -day is to make sure I sweat the sprouts. I do the things day in, day out that will move me towards that goal. And yes, how big the habits are and, and maintaining the balance and making sure we don't overdo it, all that kind of thing is important. But that did this sweating of the, the sprouts is key and for somebody who's a recovering all or nothing person that can be a challenge because when i'm motivated i can go all in and then either burn myself out or get distracted and then it's usually nothing and that's the same with equipment so what i've set myself and is a new challenge a new narrative if you like that i'm working to is i've got to earn my way to the right to have a new gym now, I don't necessarily mean that and earn my way in financial terms. I, I don't mean that at all, actually. What I mean is in physical, making the effort, putting the sweat, in, the sweat into the exercise in the house, that's how I earn it. So I bought bits and pieces of equipment. Um, there's loads of other equipment I do want, um, but I have my bike on my turbo trainer. I have my routine for the bike, 30 minutes and my 60 burpees a day. I've got a, um, a, a couple of stretch bands. I've got a kettlebell and some dumbbells. And... In order to earn the right to develop that gym more fully, I need to prove to myself, this is the story I'm telling myself now, and it seems you know, it's, it's, it seems to sit nicely with me as a challenge, um, the right to spend more money, to spend more time developing the, the home gym. And as a reward to myself, because I have been doing that with the 60 till I'm 60 with the bike, I've actually invested in the flooring. So the flooring just delivered today, and that is my job at the weekend is to lay the flooring. Now, that's as far as I'm going to go until I earn the right to, to build and invest more. And I guess my question to you is, does do you find similar things showing up in, in your efforts to when you embark on a new goal? Right, I'll just, I'm going to do all of this. I'm going to get that. I'll buy this. I'll sort that. And behind it we don't have the framework we don't have the evidence that we will use it the the, the sweating of the sprouts day to day and for me that challenge is just see if you can reframe the story the all or nothing impulsive story that's in you must have it and the only way you're going to get fit is to have that piece of equipment the only way you're going to do the diet is to have that slow cooker this that and the other is to reframe it into okay i don't need it i would need very little to make the change by all means i'll have it but let's earn the right to have it 
and it could be just a nice challenging way to do it. It's up to you if you if you find that be useful. I'm not sort of suggesting it's an essential, but I find playing these little story games, game gamifying the stories that we tell ourselves can be really powerful as ways of helping shift us into the, the right frame for sweating those daily sprouts. So anyway, that's my food for thought this week. On with the interview with Carolyn. Uh, let me know any thoughts uh, about the interview, any questions. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Carolyn, there will be some links there in the show notes. But also, if you want to drop me a line, I'm, I'm happy to forward anything on as well. Drop me a line at dave at wrestlersmidlife.com. Hey, hi, Carolyn. It's uh, lovely to have you back. This is that our part two. And we, we talked about a lot last time um, around... Um, midlife and a lot of the issues and about dealing with change and how to make changes. But one of the things that I think we touched on, but didn't really explore in any great depth. And I think it's really important to, and I think it'd be really useful for, for all of our, all of the audience is particularly focusing in on the health aspect of midlife and your particular area of expertise where you help uh, women in particular is with the menopause and, um, raising awareness you know supporting and coaching through that so do you want to share what you do and then we'll get into how what we can learn from that yeah absolutely um so for me uh raising awareness like you say around the menopause is is one of my massive passions um you know based on my own experience um both privately and professionally so one of the things that I realized when I really sort of started getting into this area and speaking to people about it is that I'd spent, you know, nearly 25 years in, in HR, in some very big organisations, so very senior level. And it was only then when I reflected back on that, and not least because of my own story, I was actually, you know, a postmenopausal woman for most of that because I suffered from um, premature ovarian insufficiency. So my menopause started when I was 19. Not that I knew that, um, but I didn't get diagnosed till I was 32. But obviously still at 32, I was kind of 20 years short of the average age um, for a menopausal woman. And But what I realised professionally in particular was that in all of that time, I had never been approached by a line manager who had come and said, I've got this person in my team who um, has sort of raised with me that they think they might be going through the menopause and are, are sort of struggling. Um, and I've never been approached by a female um, who said, I think or I know that I'm in, you know, going through the menopause and I'm struggling um, and, you know, it's affecting my work and, and can you help me? And I was quite horrified by that, really, not least because, like I said, as a postmenopausal woman myself for a lot of that time, I would have been open to that conversation. But it really struck me as how it's just a real silent pandemic that's going on for women. And I try and raise awareness of that amongst women because women are really bad at talking about the menopause amongst themselves. And it's great that it's starting to get some really good coverage, but there is still a really long way to go with that. And, and one of my focus areas is is around corporates you know how do we help women to tackle menopause and live with menopause um, and work through it as well because the statistics in terms of women leaving their jobs because of menopause are, are shocking but I'm also a huge believer that for every woman that is going through the menopause there is a man somewhere in her life you know whether that's a, a partner a brother a son a boss a work colleague who bluntly is kind of looking at what's going on for her and thinking, what the hell is this all about? Because some of those symptoms can be, yeah, really confusing for obviously the woman that's going through it, but definitely for the people around her as well. Yeah. And, I, and I, that, that's, that's really what I wanted to get into was, was 
understanding it more and also how do we tie it into this 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 period of life that is you know a term midlife and I, I know I often say it's not necessarily an age thing but I think there is obviously in this context an age aspect yeah. too or can be for many but I think it's about there's a lot of things going on and yes understanding what might be driving it is also an important part uh, you know mm-hmm. in terms of if you're feeling you know you talked about the the shocking statistics in relation to menopause women menopause and work and leaving jobs you, uh, you maybe give us the, those statistics uh, in a moment but teasing out that that might be the cause rather than just being unhappy at my work or yes. recognize that maybe both are contributing and what do I do is really important isn't it Absolutely. And I think the thing that we have to recognise is that context is everything. Um, So at this point in somebody's life, you know, depending on the life they have, you know, yes, there may be menopause happening for, you know, either the individual or, or somebody who cares for somebody that's going through the menopause. So there's that. But it kind of usually typically because the the average age of menopause um, is 51. um, But menopause can last kind of up to about 12 years so you've got to take that that average age kind of in quite a wide age span and I always like to put it in context with people that puberty lasts on average for two years and we know what that looks like don't we when teenagers slam doors and they have rages and you know or they can't speak to you or they can't articulate themselves and we kind of make loads of allowances for that and that is really you know menopause is just that in reverse but we have to remember that puberty lasts for two years on average and menopause can last 10 to 12 so it's a much longer period of time that we need to have that kind of empathy and understanding um, for what's happening but I think it is absolutely that that thing of you know at the same time you know typically if you're if again you take the the average age so somewhere you know I'd like to sort of talk you know typically from you know early 40s 45 plus would be typically where um, a woman would be experiencing you know most women would experience their symptoms but at that stage in life you know you've potentially got kids going off to university so you've got empty nest syndrome going on um you quite often are that's where you're kind of at the peak point um, in terms of your career in the sense of you know you've probably got 20 years under your belt you'll probably know the most um you're the most knowledgeable and you know at that point when you're probably ready for that promotion or that big job and that's potentially coming along for you um and then suddenly sort of menopause hits and you, you know the, the wheels kind of come off um so you feel like you should be excelling in your career and not least if you've got kids and you've they've been a focus and they're going off to uni that you might think right now's my moment you know I can focus more on my career um, particularly for women because they often are the, still the primary caregiver um, with regards to children and then you've got things like um, you know you tend to get some other health issues that come along maybe at that point in in life so um, you know there, there are those things that like you say it could be things other than than the menopause and then also you know these days you've quite often got like elderly dependents as well so you might have parents um, that are still alive you know on if you're in a relationship you know that might be um, either the woman's parents or or um, the partner's parents um, but again you know you those those responsibilities might also start to kick in because those parents are getting older and they're also maybe suffering from health issues so we have to understand the context of this like a real load of stuff that goes on for us in midlife and I think coupled with that and the things that both you and I talk about you know, um, uh, around midlife in general is it's kind of that point for a number of those reasons and for other reasons, but you sort of reach that crossroads, don't you, where it's like, I sort of now realize that I've probably got like 
less life in front of me than I've got behind me. Um, a bit kind of like, oh, how do I feel about that? How do I feel about where I am at this point in my life? Has it gone how I thought it would? Where do I want it to go in the future? Because, you know, I always say when I talk about menopause that because of life expectancy now, women will typically live a third of their lives now postmenopausal. So the menopause is not the end of life. It is absolutely midlife. Mm. Um, and there is a lot of life that's still to live beyond it. And that's why it's so important that we help women and the men um, that, like I said, that support them to sort of understand that this isn't the end, even though bluntly the symptoms at the time make you feel a bit like it's the end. Mm. Yeah, well, very powerfully put. And I think you're right. It's this, there is a lot going on. Mm. Um, so how, you, you mentioned, you, you talked about some shocking statistics. Do you want to give those statistics? And then it, it's, what? how would you support or what, kinds of things would you give in terms of advice for somebody who might be thinking I'm going through this mm. I can't do my job what, what I mean I don't know how it would manifest yeah. itself but I mean the statistics themselves you know again we always have to be careful don't we around statistics yeah. um in the sense that they can be massively misleading and it depends who you listen to and and what whatever um I mean I think um there was the the second half of the Davina McCall um documentary about the menopause has just come out and I know that one of the things that she was um, in terms of the trailer for that, you know, she was talking about, you know, one in 10 women leave their job um, due to the menopause. You know, it, it depends what statistics you you look at as to what that number actually is. But I think it's safe to say that it's pretty damn high. Um, and, you know, 99% of women say that the menopause affects their work. You know, so pretty much all of them say it has an impact of the, on them in the workplace. I think it's 59% of them will take time off due to the menopause. Um, from their job but interestingly only five percent will have the menopause listed as the reason they're off on a sick note because that's how much it gets hidden and then beyond that you know then yes you've got the you know typically 10 12 percent um, of women um, depending on what you listen to like I say will leave their job as the direct result of their menopause because they say that the the impact of it is just so severe that they don't think that they can carry on doing their job and for a lot of those women they probably will never go back to the workplace now you go back to that thing of they've still got a third of their life left to live that's a third of their life then that they're, you know, they're not getting any income, maybe, you know, they might go off and do something else, but most of them will go off and do something at a more junior level um, for less money, you know, um, than, than the work that they were doing. So, you know, they're pushing themselves, challenging themselves, getting less satisfaction and fulfillment out of it. But we also have to look in terms of the economy. You know, that's a huge amount of talent, knowledge, experience, capability, that is just leaving um, our workplaces. And then, like I said, probably either never going back to work or going into something where they're not leveraging any of that for the benefit of the, themselves or the economy. And, you know, we need not just women, but we need men too in, you know, at that, like I said, peak of their career, 40s and 50s. They're the ones that should be mentoring, coaching, developing, passing on knowledge to the next generations coming through. So the loss of that isn't just that person in their job it's all of that experience knowledge and coaching that they can give to the generations that are coming after them that we lose as well yeah and i mean 
it, it, it has an impact on so many different areas. So if we bring it back to the individual mm. uh, for now, for that person who is, do you want to talk us through, if you don't mind, just so we're aware of what, what I don't know, what the experience is, how might it, st- what's the onset or is there an onset, you know, that kind of thing, because I think yeah. it's important to recognise. Uh, one thing that I did pick up from our, we did a LinkedIn Live listeners a few mm. weeks ago, and one of the things that I remember you saying was that not only are there not willing, necessarily many women not, talking about it but they may not even know yeah so I think that's important if we can to tease that out a little yeah really important because the biggest challenge actually is that there are over 60 different symptoms potentially of the menopause and that list has grown longer and longer even in the time that I've been really talking about it the number that used to be out there was that it's about 34 and now it's like 64 so the number of symptoms that are now starting to be recognized as potentially related to the menopause is now in the 60s. So, of course, that makes it difficult, makes it difficult for the individual. And as much as I, um, you know, I have quite a lot to say about how badly GPs manage the menopause, it does also make it difficult for, for GPs. So for me, I would say, firstly, it's recognizing that there are a lot of symptoms. So something that just sort of doesn't feel quite right or you feel in your body is a bit different. Um, or about how you feel it's worth starting paying attention and that doesn't matter whether it's the menopause or not I'm a great believer of we know our own bodies and what we really have to do is tune into those bodies and listen and if something changes and it changes sort of consistently it's not just I've had a headache today oh and then I haven't got a headache for another three months then that's you know we're, we're used to that but if something is persistent or has some sort of pattern to it or is something new that you think mm, that hasn't happened before we need to start taking notice of it now I have a um I have a, a, a giveaway sort of download document that i give out which is basically a recording mechanism so it lists out all the symptoms it lists out whether they are physical symptoms or emotional symptoms and it also allows women to sort of chart the frequency um, of those symptoms so here's a symptom and you can kind of just use it as a bar chart or just say you know does it how regularly does it happen to you to start to build a picture and a pattern because that is essential not just for the individual, but also if you're then going to consult a GP or, you know, a medical professional, you need to help them build a picture because with 66 um, sort of different symptoms, which is the, the current number, um, you know, then you are, you know, you've got to expect that your GP is potentially going to have quite a hard time ruling other stuff out. And typically they're going to go, well, let's do some blood tests. And that's the other thing that we need to remember is there is no blood test for the menopause. There is no test for the menopause. Blood tests will tell you if it's ended potentially, but there is no blood test that will tell you you're in the menopause because your hormones will be fluctuating so much that you can test on one day and it will say, oh, no, no, you're not going through the menopause. Your hormones are all fine. You could do exactly the same test the following day and it would come back and go, no, no, your hormones are not all, all all right. So it's a massive myth that goes on that says, well, do a blood test. And GPs do this a lot to women. I hear this a lot. That it's like, but I've been to my GP. They did a blood test. and They told me I'm not menopausal. Well, I'm here to tell you that's bullshit because there is no test for the menopause. Yes, they might have tested your hormones on a particular day and it says you're not menopausal, but that is no no guarantee that you're not. So 
I would say that, um, so like I said, I, I have a, a giveaway document that I use, you know, typically when I do talks and things like that, that says, you know, you you can use this as an individual and start tracking symptoms. You could give it to somebody else um, that you know. Um, you might want to give it out to um, line managers in your workplace and go, here's just a rundown of the symptoms just so that we start to recognize them. But what there actually is, is there's a fantastic free app called Balance. Um, so Balance is a free app. Um, it was put together by um, really the person that I go to for um, and I trust for all of my sort of menopause information advice. So a lady called Dr. Louise Newson. And um, she's a she's a menopause specialist um, doctor and they've put together an app. So if you're technology minded, you can download an app. It's called Balance and you can record all your symptoms on there. So you start to build a picture. So all the symptoms are there. You can record them electronically if that works for you. Um, you know, I have a paper version because sometimes it's, you know, like I said, if you want to hand it out to line managers and stuff, they're not really going to, you know, download on their iPhone. Um, the balance app um necessarily um some sort of hairy engineer um with a menopause app on his phone um so it's you know but it's about saying there are you know over 60 different symptoms you need to be tracking stuff over a period of time and building a picture because the difficulty is is that because the menopause goes on for so long and because there are all these different symptoms and you might experience one of those symptoms once you might experience it for a period of time during your menopause it might then go away again it might come back it might never come back so you need to sort of like build this picture it's really like a jigsaw puzzle and you need to see it like that that you're building this this picture typical symptoms um like i said there are an awful lot of them but typical symptoms um that women experience and particularly ones that affect them at work is is brain fog um so um brain fog and memory problems um, a lot of women end up at their GP initially because they think they have early onset dementia. Really scary stuff. I mean, that's how scary it is. They go to the doctor because they think, oh, my God, this is the beginning of Alzheimer's or, you know, um, dementia. So that brain fog, memory problems, difficulty remembering words, trouble kind of organizing stuff you know you get a lot of women who typically you know very organized really on top of things and then suddenly that sort of start to lose it they forget stuff um they don't do stuff you know they struggle to communicate um you know and you think about this in the workplace like i said you know women in their 40s and 50s usually at that point in their career where they're probably in a lot of meetings you know operating potentially at a senior level um and suddenly you're in a meeting and think, I can't remember the word for that. And you're struggling to find that word. And it's embarrassment then, because it's like, I know, you know, I feel like I'm looking like an idiot. So memory loss, brain fog, anxiety is a massive one. Anxiety, which is hormone induced in anxiety. But then you talk about some of those other symptoms and that in itself creates another type of anxiety as well. Um, low mood. So it's not the same you know, hormone related depression and low mood is not the same as um, other types of depression. So again, lots of women go to the doctor, like I said, you know, concerned because they don't feel right. Lots of them because they think they have dementia. A whole ton of those women sadly come away with antidepressants and those antidepressants are not 
the solution because they those they're not dealing with hormone related depression or low mood so it's things like that but similarly there's all sorts of stuff you know lots of dry skin um and um sort of you know itchy dry skin the feeling of um you know um i call it kind of like an electric pulse feeling under your skin but a lot of people talk about it's like having insects crawling over your skin that happens quite a lot for women at night so night sweats real difficulty sleeping lots of this kind of creepy crawly feeling on the skin so then a woman's getting up and trying to function with virtually no sleep at all um so you add to that brain fog memory loss you know lack of sleep we all know you know we know what if you've had children and have that sleep deprivation of when you've got small children you know what that sleep deprivation does to your ability to function um it's it's having impacts like that I could keep going, um, but there is, it really is about, you know, understanding what those symptoms are. And you don't have to hold them all in your head. I certainly don't hold all 60 in my head, but, um, you know, getting hold of either through the app or, you know, just a list of the symptoms and starting to track them and actually starting to go, oh, yeah, I've, I've been feeling that for a while. Like you say, a lot of women don't even realize I was talking to a friend not long ago um about this and 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 about menopause and what I'm now doing and I just was chatting to her about it and we were talking having a very general conversation and she was sitting there we were on zoom actually and I could see it I could see it in her face and eventually she went I think this is what's happening to me and she hadn't even contemplated it you know she's sort of um 46 Mm. so for her oh menopause is something that happens to old ladies it's not me and then I started talking to her about, you know, typically some of the symptoms. And she was like, that's been happening to me for a while. Um, and so it's just recognizing that, like I said, listening to your body, knowing what the symptoms are, because there is a vast array of them. Palpitations is another. Heart palpitations is really common um, going into the menopause. Um, but again, a lot of women will think, you know, I've been exercising or I've had too much coffee or I stood up too quickly or whatever. We explain it away. But palpitations is another like really common one. Um, that women experience, which again comes into the sort of panic and anxiety that it induces. Wow, <laughs> there's loads there, and and totally, I can get this this thing that you don't necessarily realise, especially if there, there isn't enough. You can understand a busy GP, you know, and there's work to be done, but a busy GP thinking, right, there's this, there's that, I'll do this, I'll do that, and then yeah. You don't get an answer, do you? And, no. and that can be really frustrating. I, I get one thing that just occurred to me is we've had this conversation. We've talked about menopause, but we've, maybe I've assumed that everybody knows what it is. It, mm. What is menopause? Let's define yeah. it. You know. Yeah. So um, yeah, a really good point actually, because I, I again I talk about that um, when I go into organisations and, and do talks. I mean, essentially, um, menopause is when um, your hormone levels drop. So for women, typically progesterone and estrogen, um, there is a role in there for testosterone because women have testosterone too. So you will find for some women that their testosterone levels also drop to extent that they get prescribed that if they do get onto hormone replacement therapy. But it's estrogen and progesterone, the, the levels of those drop in the body and they play a huge role, not just in reproduction, because again, we think that those hormones are related to reproduction, but just to give you a sense is that those hormones 
play a role in over 300 different tissue systems in a woman's body. So they they are impacting the whole of your physiology. It's not just about reproduction, which is why we get the kind of side effects that we do, because you have tissue systems, the heart, um, the brain, you know, all of those tissue systems are getting impacted by the drop in hormones. Now, um, if you are considered to be menopause you know menopause or like post menopause essentially like you have been through the menopause you have had the menopause then that is when your periods have stopped for 12 months consistently so you've not had a period for 12 months that's when you're considered to be men you know menopausal um but what we talk about i mean we talk about we say menopause is a kind of umbrella term across the, the whole um, period of time um, because it's easier but actually peri perimenopause um, as it's known is the the sort of lead up when you start to get symptoms so typically you know women will notice that their periods become a little bit erratic so less regular than they were um, the the heaviness of them like can start to change and that you know again we have to bear in mind that, that isn't just about they start to peter out what happens is that sometimes women get what would be known as flooding so they get horrific periods um, and that, again, is a massive source of kind of embarrassment, makes it difficult to go to work. You know, we worry about sort of, you know, leakage and things because, like, you know, it's some for some women, those periods can be really, really bad. And obviously, sometimes there's, you know, frequently there's pain associated with that, too. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's essentially what the, the menopause is. So perimenopause is the period where. Um, you know, periods start to fluctuate and you start you start to notice um, other symptoms. And then there's the menopause, which is I've had 12 months um, consistently without having a period. Don't forget, if you're finding that your health has taken a backseat whilst you work to achieve greatness in other areas of your life, the Reshape Academy, my coaching and programs are here to help you continue to achieve that success with and not at the expense of your health. Find out more at midlifereshape.com. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I think it's important just to clarify that because you know you can get into talking about it and the symptoms and not really being clear exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, just... absolutely. So in terms of going back to this, I guess the, the idea of the, the midlife process, you know, and the, and the leaving of the job and this, that, and the other. What I'm picking up, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is that, the menopause itself can lead to um, obviously a lot of disruption in life and work, but potentially a lot of a, a, a significant proportion of women leaving that the job they are that they're mm. doing, etc. Now, is that because they start because of the impact that they they think that they're not up to, or is it, or is it that they are? they start to question whether they're even competent. Do, do you know what I mean? Because, because there's yeah. different factors in there, isn't there? There's the, the impact of the symptoms, but then, yeah. then there's also this, is there a feeling that, or, or is what I'm getting at, is there, is there a confusion in the sense of, we start, they start to buy into the belief that actually this is not for me. It's not the career I want, you know, yeah. that kind of thing, as opposed to it being clear as to what the cause is. I don't know if I've made myself clear in that question. Yeah. And I, I, I think the, um, I, I think the, you know, the, the answer to that is really like kind of just, it, it depends. I think it's a mixture of all of mm. that stuff. Um, you know, the reason, you know, if we, if we go back to like, okay, so why don't we talk about menopause? You know, why are we embarrassed to talk about it? Why don't women even talk about it? And it's for me, you know, there's a really um, societal thing in there that 
you know, for guys, I have to say it's okay for them to age. You know, guys get described as sort of distinguished, you know, when they, you know, the hair turns gray and, you know, and we value um, in men sort of that experience. We go, oh, yes, we're now going to give you the bigger, important job because you've got 25 years worth of experience. It's a very different experience for women. You've only got to look at social media, at magazines, at the TV. And whilst it is improving, but I mean, I, I don't know if you remember, but there's a huge outcry um, a number of years ago that, you know, reading the news and stuff that actually when women got to a certain age, they, they they just got fired. They just got removed because like nobody wants to see an old face on the telly. Well, they were fine to see an old men's face, but not a woman's face. Um, so, you know, for women, the association in, and I have to say this is in Western culture, in Eastern cultures, they really value um, women as they get older, you know, there's very much they're revered, you know, because they're knowledgeable and experienced. Um, and so that aging process is, is revered in, in um, some cultures. But in Western culture, you know, you, you've only got to look at, you know, all the, you know, how much women, you know, colour their hair, um, how, you know, um, cosmetic surgery. And I, again, I know, you know, this happens with men too, but not to the same extent. So, you know, the cosmetic in surgery industry is, you know, has gone bonkers, even more so actually through, through lockdown. Um, but actually aging, the idea of aging is not kind to women. Society is not kind to women as they age. And it is this thing of if I come out and admit that I'm menopausal, I am on the scrap heap. So women don't come out and say stuff because they don't want to be associated with that. They don't come out and say it at work because instantly it's like, well, she's past it. And also because of the symptoms itself, because you do go through that period of time of brain fog, memory loss, whatever, you pretty much feel like you're endorsing that. You know, yes, I can't remember stuff. Oh my God, yes, I did forget about that meeting. I can't find the word for something that we talk about every day in the in the workplace. All of that stuff goes on. So it's kind of a, you know, it's a real mixture of all the things that I think, you, you know, you're asking about is, you know, on the one hand, society kind of goes, you're over the hill, you're past it, you know, use anymore. You know, your body is going, I can't do any longer what we feel we were here to do. You know, you might not want any more children, but like being told you can't have any more is a completely different emotion. Um, because it's then out of your control and that part of your life is over. And that's really hard emotionally too. But I think that, you know, you're right. Then women sort of, because, you know, we, we sort of feel this, you know, women do still feel this need, I think in the workplace to sort of, we have to, you know, there's that thing, you know, have to be work twice as hard to be considered half as good that, you know, the moment anything of that starts to falter, I think we sort of go, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to jump before I'm pushed. Um, and I'm going to leave. But then you take the symptoms itself, turning up to work when you're absolutely exhausted and you've had no sleep, your brain is foggy, you can't remember stuff. Then you get in, you know, hot flushes, you know, profuse sweating. You know, you might be sitting in a meeting with a, from my, my experience, you know, I was quite often the only bird on the board, as I would describe it. I'd be in a room full of men, for example. I mean, obviously my menopause start, you know, happened earlier, but if it happened to me at normal age, I would have been in a room of men and then suddenly have a hot flush. And those men are sort of turning on the radiator because they're cold and you're going, can we open all the windows? Cause I can't, I can barely breathe. Um, you know, like I said, really heavy periods and kind of flooding, leaking, worried about that that's going to show, um, you know, th there's all of these different, you know, the itching, the dryness, you know, heart palpitations. You, you think about having all of that at work whilst you're trying to do your job, you know, 
it's like this is just too hard um so that's you know that's why women do step away from the workplace and you know yes you're right for all the other reasons we've talked about of what's going on in that life yes they may be reassessing what they want out of life anyway but you know try and do your job against a backdrop of 60 plus different symptoms and not knowing on any particular day which one's going to show up yeah, <laughs> I'm exhausted just listening to it as well. Yeah, well, you see, the, the thing is with like, uh, I love it. Like Dr. Louise Newsom, when she was on, she was on this morning um, a few months ago and I loved it because she said, I'm, I'm absolutely not man bashing. So that's not what it's about. She said, but let me try and give some perspective is that if you said to men, you're going to hit 50 and you're going to feel so ill and you're not going to know sort of on, you know, good days from bad days, but you're generally going to feel so unwell lacking in sleep that actually you know you're going to have to leave your job because it's so bad and add to that if you even feel like having sex but that sex would be uncomfortable and painful try telling men like what you know try thinking about what that would be like as a man and then she went on to say because then you know HRT is a whole other conversation and she said and if you then said We've got medication that would help 90% of you if you felt like that, but we're only giving it to 14% of you. And that's what we're up against. And that's why, for me, I get really passionate at talking about it, because I do honestly believe, you know, and again, like I said, you know, I, I, I love men, you know, um, I don't have anything against them at all. I love them. I wouldn't have the world without them. It is that stark reality of I do think that if we said to men, you're going to hit 50, you're going to feel so ill all the time that you're going to have to give up your job and this is going to go on for 10 years, we'd have solved this by now. We, you know, we would have, you know, we can't solve, we can't cure the menopause, but we would have better medication, better access to medication, better training for GPs. You know, again, I love a statistic, only 7%, 7% of GPs and even worse, gynecologists report that they feel adequately trained about the menopause seven that's why women aren't getting the help that they need yeah and i guess sort of coming back to then the midlife you know the where Mm. where the male or female you know in in this like you say we've all we all know family members friends partners Mm. etc who who may well be experiencing it and not even knowing it um or starting to feel these or going through it you know in the thick of it given that there's a the the albeit things are improving there's still that resistance there's still a stigma there's still the narratives that don't that are counter to yeah being open etc what can what can somebody who potentially is feeling like they may be experiencing it for starters Mm -hmm. you know going through it and it's you know in that midlife point where there's lots going on yeah. There's enough going on without this to be fair. Yeah, exactly. So how, yeah. What could they start? What what could be a good starting points and where to go if they hit a wall, say with GP, etc.? Because it is mm. about navigating through this, isn't it? The the whole point yeah. really for me in terms of the rest of midlife is to reclaim your life. Now, if you've yeah. got a lot of forces that are potentially working against that, we need to yeah. start to confront and deal with them in a in a as positive a way. And yes, there's bigger picture things which the likes of yourself are, are working hard to do to sort of to raise awareness. Coming down to that individual, what can they do? So I would always say to a woman, you know, knowledge is power. 
That's mm. the thing. I think the first way that you reclaim anywhere anything is to improve your your understanding of it. So I would go back to a list of symptoms, you know, whether you use, use the balance app or something else or just a you know piece of paper, you just write them down, keep a diary, whatever that is, but start understanding what the symptoms potentially are. So those 60 plus symptoms, get a list of what they are and start tracking what's going on. Because the first thing, you know, what a lot of women feel is that they feel like they're going mad. They really do. They feel like they're losing their sanity. And that is desperately sad, very isolating and really scary. So if you start understanding what's going on for you by tracking that stuff, I think it's a great place to start. Then I think it's about, you know, um, looking online. And I think, you know, we always have to be cautious because not everything that's written online is, is correct. Um, but there are some, some fantastic books um, and, you know, information that are out there that you can now get hold of, which, again, will help to increase your knowledge. I think beyond that, um, you know, yes, I would still encourage you to go to your GP, but I do have a caveat that says there's nearly 20% of women that end up having to go six plus times before they start to even have a conversation about menopause and menopause treatment. And let's face it, for a lot of us, we just don't even have time to go to the GP six times, let alone the inclination and the willingness, particularly if you're not feeling well. And like you say, life is really busy. You'd probably go once if you get knocked back or they give you a test and go, you're not menopausal or take these anti depressants we probably just trot away and you know don't sort of make effort to to go back so um you know like i said looking at the symptoms and building a picture um to help the gp and saying i've been monitoring this over a period of time is important um i think you know if you can if you are at work if you can um, speak to your employer, find somebody, you know, you know, in your HR department or whether it's your line manager, but somebody who you think might understand. But again, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot for organizations still to learn to open up about that. But that's an option. Um, talk, just talk to somebody, you know, talk to a friend, um, because typically if you have a friend that's probably of a similar age and you start going, I'm kind of feeling a bit like this. And I've been wondering if maybe it's the menopause, you'd be really surprised at how many women go, oh, well, actually, so have I, you know, it just takes one of you to start the conversation. Um, if you're in a relationship, you know, really try and talk to your partner, not least because, you know, a, a big part of menopause is, um, low mood is mood swings, you know, even described as rage, um, you know, or panic attacks and anxiety. If that has gone on in the presence of your partner, you really need to talk to that partner because otherwise they'll be there going, I am so confused, like what's happened, what's happening to our relationship you know, they won't be recognizing potentially that it's menopause. So it's really important that you talk to them and you get them on board and you go like, let's go through this journey together um, because not feeling isolated, I think is really important. Um, and, you know, there are other things out there, you know, I said lots of stuff on the internet. I would 100% for men and women, I would say watch the Davina McCall documentary. So watch the first one because it was a fantastic grounding. And I say that to guys in particular, if you don't want to speak to anyone about this, just go and watch it. It's just an hour of your time. Go and watch it. It was on Channel 4. So watch it on all four and just watch it on catch up silently. Do it by yourself. You know, put your headphones in and just watch it. Nobody needs to know, but just watch it. Because honestly, 
it's a fantastic grounding and a great education as to what goes on. Um, so I, I, I just firmly believe that it's all about, like you say, kind of reclaiming it. So the way to reclaim our power, I think, is to gain knowledge um, and really, really for women to understand they are not on their own. You know, 51% of the world's population are female. 100% of females will go through this. You are not on your own. And that's the thing that we need to start making women realise by talking about it. Yeah. And that's brilliant. But I also want to sort of come back to the point that it's not about, go, you know, you talk about men watching this programme without necessarily talking about, but let's be mm. right, we've got to take responsibility here and and, and step mm. up. So, you know, the typical, you know, for me, typical blog, I'm a midlifer. Um, mm. what, what can I do to support or what, what, what can we do? Well, yeah, I guess to support an individual, but also contribute to this to, to sort of just make mm-hmm. it more okay, more, you know. Yeah, I think um, you know, I've I've suddenly become a massive fan of Rod Stewart. So Rod Stewart has been publicly out there because he supported his partner through the menopause. He is absolutely out there. And he was in the newspaper again the other day saying every man should be educated about the menopause so that they can support the women in their lives. And it's like, mm. absolutely. That's what I would champion. But it is difficult. You know, it is, it is a taboo. It's embarrassing. You know, some of the symptoms are very difficult. You know, we can, might not always be very good at talking about that so I would say again to the guys you know educate yourselves like try and learn and then again try and start a conversation and you know if you if you know if you can start a conversation um with your partner again it's you know please please don't do it when she's in the middle of like you know some massive like moon swim rage with you don't accuse her of being menopausal because that's not helpful um whether it's at home or you're doing that at work yeah. please don't do that um <laughs> But it is hard on guys. You know, again, I think it's over 80% of men feel really frustrated and isolated when they know this is happening to their partner. So then we do need to support men too. Um, But I would say try and start a conversation um, with your partner um, or even if it's, you know, somebody that you work with, if you're sort of noticing it and saying, look, I have no idea whether this is what's happening to you, but there's been a lot of press and media coverage around it recently and I know that there's really there's lots and lots of symptoms and I just wondered if it's worth thinking about whether this is you or or not you know and 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 helping and I think listening you know I think the most powerful thing we have are the things attached to the side of our heads you know listen um because I think it's frightening it's really frightening for women emotionally frightening um physically frightening frightening and you just need to listen and nobody is expecting you to be an expert nobody is expecting you to solve it because you can't mm. um but actually just listening and even if it's in ex- it to the extent you know because like i said gps still are not you know well educated and a lot of them are sort of not supportive it, it is improving but it's going to take a long time you might even want to just go with your partner to that gp's appointment mm you know, and, and physically go in with them, you know, not just drive them there and sit in the waiting room, physically go in and say, I, I need you to tell you what, what I'm observing. And this is not like her. Um, this is not the woman that I know. Um, and, and actually support in that way. And it's just the simple things of letting them know that, you know, for me, it's just about walking alongside somebody, you know, that's really what matters. I think there's some great points. And I think you are, very understanding of the men and that they go through. But I guess from my point of view, I think there's still 
there is scope that we step up. We need to step up yeah. and can step up. And there's, there's no doubt about that. I think, yeah. you know, even in the last couple of years for me, this is something that it's always been, you know, it's on the radar. But I mean, we jo- we talked about in the LinkedIn Live that, you know, when I was a kid, people would talk about it as a joke, you know, at the hot flushes and all that. And it was that kind of taboo <laughs> topic and probably yeah. still now. But yeah. we have to step up because we do, we're 49% of the population. So we do have yeah. a part to play in terms of just making it safer for, and more culturally acceptable and all yeah. those things. But also, I think you're right in terms of being a partner or a, um, a son, you know, uh, you know, or brothers, whatever to step up to in that role of being a listener. And I think one of the drives is not to be driven to fix or feel like we have no, to fix. No, you can't. Yeah. And <laughs> I'll tell you what's interesting. Just I, I won't name the client. Um, I would love to because the, I haven't got their permission, obviously, for, for naming them. But they, I think they really are for, really forward in this this whole journey around this. But I was doing a session around confident wellbeing conversations for managers. And it was actually um, one of the male attendees was talking about how they'd had experience and, and really open about how they approached it and how it made, you know, how they approached it, knowing that they're never going to experience or even understand yeah. it. But yeah. The, and their discomfort, but how they connected. And, I, and it was really encouraging from my point of view to hear that. So I think that's the kind of thing we do. It's not just, you know, it's a manager, it's a colleague, it's it's your brother, it's your son, all of those things. It's, it's mm. we have got rooms to step, step up, I guess. I, I do. And I do agree um, that we do, you know, we need to get over ourselves, um, mm. you know, and, yeah. and let's face it, let's think about, you know, all the other aspects in society, all the other taboos that we've tackled and we now talk about and I'm not saying that those are always easy and we haven't we haven't traveled the whole of the journey on any of those either but you know there was a time when we didn't talk about homosexuality there was a time when we didn't talk about being transgender um you know and we've come such a long you know mental health god you know you know, I mean, the last couple of years, it's one of the great things in the pandemic. It's really pushed forward in terms of us talking more openly about our mental health. And it was it was starting to come um, before the pandemic. And actually, it's one thing it's done is really accelerate that conversation. But we never used to talk about our mental health. And now we do much more openly. Again, it's not perfect. So we can do this. You know, and, and as you yeah. know, you know, I, I talk about some of the symptoms, you know, and I say the word vagina as much as I can, because it's like we just need to be used to saying it, um, you know. And so we, you know, we just need to start using these terms and becoming familiar with using them and therefore just getting over our embarrassment um, about any of them, really. And and you're right. I think men can step up and do that as well. And I, you're right. You know, men won't go through it, but I, I end up as well. You know, the other thing I talk about with it and to say to guys is, okay, so I'm going to tell you, you know, I mean, well, 40% of men over the age of 40 suffer from erectile dysfunction. Okay. So, you know, it's not like the menopause, but you, as guys, you need to think about how that would make you feel. So if you either suffer from that or, you know, you just think about what that would be like, you know, the fact that you can't function sexually, what it would do to your confidence, you know, how it impact you physically. It's like that, you know, you that, you know, you don't have to be a woman and experience the menopause to be able to at least empathize with how it must feel. Um, You remember what it was like to be a teenager and have your hormones going all over the place and slamming doors, like I said earlier, and all that. You remember that as guys, you went through that too. That, it's like that. Um, And so it really is just about trying to put yourself in the same shoes and understand emotionally and physically what it, what it is like, Um, you know, and, and you're right. I I do think men need to step up too, very much so. 
Yeah. And that's probably a, a good point to sort of draw to a close because because I think yeah. that, that connection and empathy is about recognising we're all human, we're all living our mm. own particular experience, but we can perhaps think about those times in our life which have been painful, embarrassing, humiliating, and maybe not on the same yeah. scale, but there's a there's an inkling, there's something mm. that can help us connect. And in, yeah. then in so doing be there for somebody in that in that yeah. perspective or be open to a conversation if you're a, a manager or a partner or, or whatever so I think that's that's really useful and, and from my point of view I want to thank you Carolyn I know we've had a couple of conversations about this but it's really this midlife thing this restless midlife for me is is I'm, I, you know, I'm embarking on this journey myself in in terms of trying to explore and articulate it on the podcast. But you're realizing that there's more, there's a lot more to it, and this is a huge yeah. part for for all of us. Um, so it's really important and really valuable to share that. So thank you very much. One thing I do want to say because you mentioned a couple of things, um, I'll put the um, the link to the balance app in. But also, I don't know if you wanted to share that document that you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Document. I can send you. I send you a copy of that, and you can share it. And and I think the the you know where I'd like to end because I know it's very difficult. You know, I've done a lot of stats, and it can seem like really like doom and gloom and difficult. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, for women, um, knowledge, you know, they're now they're now appointing the lady that led the um the development of the COVID vaccine. She's now being put in charge of sorting out the issue with HRT because there's probably it's currently a massive shortage, um, partly because we're now talking more about HRT, so more people are, are looking for it. Um but, um, you know, there are positive steps being taken. It is being spoken about at, at governmental level, albeit that, you know, it's a bit frustrating, a bit slow, um, but it is being spoken about. And, you know, HRT isn't for everyone. I have to say that, but it can help a lot of women. And also the menopause doesn't last forever. At times it might feel like it, it you know, it's never going to get any better, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. It does end. HRT for many, many, many women can have a really positive impact. So there is help and support out there. So it's not all doom and gloom is that there are positives. Um, that, and, and the more that we talk about it, you know, the more energy will get behind it and the more that women will feel supported. Yeah, awesome. That's brilliant. Thank, thank you, Karen. Just, I guess the other thing that was give us give us the the latest on your book because you you we talked about your books before, but I don't know one was in the pipeline. Where are you at now with it? And give a shout out. To the yeah. Title. So, um, so detwat your life, which is the second <laughs> book of my twats trilogy, um, is going to be out um, probably at the the end of May. It's just about to to go to the printers, um, so it's coming along imminently. Um, it's a book that is for for midlifers. Um, not just for women, um, not just because of the menopause, but it is about midlife. It's a it's a four stage, twelve step program of essentially regaining that control of your life. Really understanding at that crossroads point, you know, where am I? Who am I? Because we lose a huge sense of our identity as we go through life and all the labels that get applied to us. So, you know, where am I at? Who am I? Where do I want to go? And ultimately, what does fulfillment look like for me? And how how do I leave the legacy? You know, who do I need to be to leave the legacy that I want to leave um, in this world? So it's a 12 step, um, like 12 simple steps, I'd say, to being unapologetically yourself. Cool. That's great. And a time of airing, um, it'll be it'll have already been published, I'm guessing, then because it'll be well into June, possibly even July for the for this Fabulous. podcast episode yeah. publishing. So that's great. So thank you. So just for everybody, show notes uh, will contain the links to to connect with you, uh, yeah. Karen, to that 
potentially that access in that document if or yep. at least get in touch Absolutely. with you to, to, yep. to balance up and some of the other things and i'm sure that if anybody does want to pick up on the conversation explore your work they can do through that as well um yeah. so thank you very much for your time it's been great again so thank you thank you Thank you for listening. You'll find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast. And it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers. Share the show and links. And if you aren't already, subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing. If you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review. It would mean so much, and I may even give you a shout-out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North BA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget, you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure.